Let me uh, begin by saying two things about the Bible. First of all, you'll notice I'm putting it down to the side here. Uh, that's not because I'm going to ignore it. I have it written out on these pages. The difference is, is that this is a large print Bible, but it's not large enough. And so this has the text in it. The other thing is I'm not reading the text at the very beginning. We will talk for a while, and then we will come to the text. But as we begin, let us pray that, that the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever heard someone say, the devil is in the details? Now, this is a proverb that reminds us that even the grandest project depends on the smallest components. And the truth of this proverb can be seen all around us. For example, consider One World Trade Center. This skyscraper has 2.6 million square feet of office and retail space, and it was put together one rivet at a time. Or think of the Nimitz-class warship, the USS Ronald Reagan, commissioned in 2003 and weighing in at over 104,000 tons. It is the largest aircraft carrier in any Navy in history, and yet it was built one welding spot at the time. Finally, consider the interstate highway system, which consists of about 48,000 miles and is part of the larger national highway system with 160,000 miles. These ribbons of commerce and travel were created with one truckload of sand or gravel or asphalt at a time. Now go back to my opening comment, the devil is in the details. German and English literature abound with versions of the Faustus story about making deals with the devil, with warnings to read the fine print and to count the cost. The story of Dr. Faustus and Mephistopheles appears in literature, theater, opera, ballet, and film. They all tell a compelling story reminding us the devil is in the details. And if you've ever filled out the long form for your federal income tax return, you know the devil is in the details. Years ago, I leased an automobile. It was my first and last lease. When it was time to trade it in, I did so not realizing there was some fine print that I had missed. By the time I found out what had happened, I ended up losing about $1,000 in the process the devil was surely in those details. In fact, after that experience, I was convinced the devil was a middle-aged brunette with a southern accent who leased cars at the local Saturn dealership. Now, from a biblical perspective, we expect the devil to be in the details, to try to mess things up. Think of the book of Job, for instance. But more important than the devil being in the details, the Bible teaches us this. God is in the details. Sometimes the Bible gives this to us explicitly. Remember the story of the garden? God was quite clear in giving the details. From all of these you may eat, but not that one. Not that one. The day you eat from that, you will surely die. These details were on point, and as we know from Genesis 3, they were deadly accurate. 
There are other stories as well. Remember Elijah cowering in the cave in 1 Kings 19? God was not in the hurricane. God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the fire. No, God was there in the details in the still, small voice, the low whisper that became apparent only after the frightening sound and light show had ended. Or here's another one, 1 Kings 22. God was there when one lone archer at the end of the battle pulled back his bow, the King James says, at a venture, and let his last arrow fly just to get rid of it. He shot randomly, but the arrow struck King Ahab with divine accuracy. It hit an exposed spot in his armor and fulfilled the prophecy that he would not survive the battle. God was in the details. God was at work one night when King, the Persian king Ahasuerus was suffering from insomnia. So he asked his servants to read from the royal chronicles, the congressional record of that day. You don't get more boring. They thought that this might be more effective than counting sheep. But that night's selected reading just happened to talk about this fellow named Mordecai who had done a great service to the king, a service that had never been rewarded. That night, divine appointment reminded the king that he was indebted to Mordecai and put into motion a series of events that led to the deliverance of God's people through the bravery of Mordecai and his relative, Queen Esther. Yes, God was in the details. And I've seen God at work in the details of my life. I'll give one example from the very beginning. Years ago when I was a youngster, probably 12, 13 at the time, a blue 1966 Oldsmobile 88 stopped across the street. A gentleman got out. I was riding my bike on the sidewalk. So he called to me. I didn't know this man. But he said he was pastor of a Baptist church, a very large church, as I found out. He was looking for a family in the neighborhood and had made a turn in the wrong street. He was on Knox Street. He should have gone one more block to Green Street. So I told him where to go, gave him directions. He thanked me and started to leave. But as he got back about halfway across the street, it's almost as though something popped into his head. He stopped and turned around and asked me a question. He said, son, do you have a home church? I said, I didn't. And so he said, well, if I send somebody to get you on Sunday, will you come and, and visit my church? I agreed. And long story short, a few months later, I heard the gospel in that church. And as a 13-year-old teenager, became a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, Brother Lonnie, as he was fondly called, made a mistake and made his turn one block too soon. But the sovereign God of the Bible was in the details and used that mistake to call this lost sheep to saving faith in Christ. In Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus prepares his followers for the persecution that's going to fall on them after his departure. The most important contrast he makes is that between those who can end human life and the sovereign God who creates life can end life, and has power over eternal destiny. Now, these issues are incredibly important, life and death, heaven and hell. And then to confirm the faith of his disciples and to encourage them as they face the possibility of death, Jesus reminds them God is in the details, even in the persecution that might one day claim their lives. 
And today, while we are facing a worldwide pandemic, there is no better time to remember that God is in the details. Listen to these words from the gospel, Luke's gospel, chapter 12, and note particularly the last two verses. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. May the Lord bless that reading of his word. Look, there's more in this text that I have time to handle today. So let's focus on the last couple of verses. My friends, in our increasingly complex world, it is hard to imagine two things more insignificant than sparrows and the hairs on your head. Now, I'm not going to talk about hair, a subject that on a personal level is increasingly decreasing and therefore less insignificant as it was many, many years ago. But as for sparrows, does anyone remember the comedian Rodney Dangerfield? His shtick was, I don't get no respect. Well, you know what? Sparrows are the Rodney Dangerfield of the bird world. No respect. Look, pigeons can carry messages. Storks deliver babies. Chicken of the fried variety are necessary for the church's social life. But sparrows? Sparrows, as one preacher noted, are those little brown birds that seem to be everywhere. Ever-present, unimportant, unimpressive, unassuming. In Jesus' day, they were sometimes used as offerings and food by the very poor. In our day, they're not even used for that. They're even less important and not good for much. Hard to make a case for the sparrow. And yet, and yet God says he's in the details and that his plan does not forget even one of these unimportant, unimpressive, unassuming little birds. If that is true, if God is in the detail with these little birds, then how much more is he in the details of your life and mine? For you, our text says, are more valuable than many sparrows. You realize the implications of this? This means there are no random circumstances in your life, only providential events. No chance occurrences, only divine appointments. The great Princeton theologian Benjamin B. Warfield put it this way. Behind the processes of nature, the march of history, and the fortunes of each individual life alike, there is steadily kept in view the governing hand of God working out his preconceived plan, a plan broad enough to embrace the whole universe of things, minute enough to concern itself with the smallest details, and actualizing itself with inevitable certainty 
in every event that comes to pass. Now, if God is in the details, in every detail, then even the seemingly meaningless drudgery of daily existence is not without meaning and purpose. And the shocking events such as a worldwide pandemic are not accidental, but purposive, guided by our Heavenly Father's hand and all to His intended wise and good end. In this brief passage, Jesus warns his disciples, he warns them not to fear the persecutors who have the ability to put them to death. Instead, you need to have fear. You need to have a holy reverence for the one who has power over life, death, and eternal destiny. That's what he says in verse 5. He tells them to fear. But then look at the very last verse. What does he say? He concludes the passage by telling them not to fear. Don't be afraid. If God does not overlook the sparrows or the hairs of your head, how much more does he value his own dear sons and daughters? And so Jesus says, do not fear. Now look, it's hard to understand how God is in the details when our entire nation, indeed the whole world, is facing this coronavirus pandemic economic meltdown, spiraling unemployment, and the most uncertain future since the Second World War. It is hard to see how God is in such details, but we have the promise from Jesus himself, God does not forget us, and he is in the details in even, even when we cannot see his purpose. Now, earlier we looked at the Heidelberg Catechism. And asked, what is your comfort? Your only comfort in life and death. And part of the answer was, he also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. All things. Now think of that in terms of Jesus, our faithful Savior, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. His entire life was a faithful witness that God is in the details. From the cradle to the cross, his life embraced a constant refrain, then it was fulfilled. Raymond Serberg of Concordia Seminary has noted that the New Testament contains, he says, 60 fulfilled prophecies concerning the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Others have said there are even more than these 60. But here's the point. They're all fulfilled in exacting detail, including the sorrows and sufferings of the Passion Week. And nothing that Jesus suffered was without meaning and redemptive purpose. We, the servants, are not greater than the Master. We're not immune from the distracting, harmful words, hateful persons, and painful circumstances that intrude into our lives, that shatter the status quo and turn our world, as it were, upside down. But they are not without divine purpose. If God is in the details, and he is, there is nothing left out, and there's nothing that does not work together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. God always does due diligent, the diligence with all the details, and only God can take the brokenness of Good Friday and turn it into the joy of Easter. Now, Christian, take comfort. 
God rarely shows us the whole picture, and that means sometimes the details appear arbitrary, random, or blurred, and often we have no idea how things are going to turn out eventually. But I do know that God is in the details. Make no mistake about it. God is in all of the details, all of the time, in all of your life, and His sovereign, wise, and loving plan trumps the devil every single time. Do not doubt that God has a purpose, but believe that His love is always at work. His sovereign will is always in play. His hand always moves with deliberate intent. Some of you recognize the name Warren Wiersbe. Wiersbe puts it this way, when God permits His children to go through the furnace, He keeps His eye on the clock and His hand on the thermostat. Today, there are two things we can say about his intent. First, all that God is doing, including this pandemic and economic disaster, is part of his plan to bring lost sinners to saving faith in Jesus. The late 20th and early 21st century myth that we are self-sufficient individuals and have outgrown our need of God has been completely undone by the events of last December in Wuhan, China. If you're hearing this message today and do not have the assurance that your sins are forgiven, now is the time. You are not watching this by accident. Today is the day of salvation. Romans 10, 9 promises, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You've heard the expression, right? A come to Jesus moment. This could be yours. And in Jesus' name, I beg you, do not waste it. If you're not a Christ follower, call out to him now, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he has promised to hear, to forgive, to answer your prayer. But if you're already a believer, then you need to remember that God is right now working in your life to make you look more like Jesus. And this may require suffering. There are too many characters in the Bible that show us God often leads his people on paths of pain and suffering. Now, I cannot stand here today and tell you that that neither you nor I will be affected by this pandemic. I pray that we will all be spared and that this nightmare will soon come to an end. But sometimes the way is hard. And James addresses this in chapter 1 when he says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you suffer... God will use it for, his, for your own good. As one author puts it, in the hard seasons, God reveals and removes your idols and makes you rely on him more. God makes you more like Christ, and therefore, you can rejoice. This we do know. God has not abandoned you, and he will not abandon you. Indeed, he is always at work, even in suffering, fear, and uncertainty, to bring you to your appointed end God has not forgotten the sparrow, and he will not forget you. Now, let me pull all this together by telling you a story. It's not my story. It comes from Andy Gilmer, a writer of children's stories. It's a story about the sparrow and the penny. 
Once upon a time, there was a little sparrow living in a thicket on a narrow road to Jerusalem. One day, as the little sparrow was feeding a large crowd of people led by a man named Jesus, came by. He was a man like no other the little sparrow had ever seen. He was mighty, yet gentle. And the people listened intently to every word that he spoke. The little sparrow perched in a tree over the road to do the same. As Jesus passed under the little sparrow, he began to save, say, five sparrows are sold for two pennies. Five sparrows for two pennies, chirped the little sparrow. This means I alone am worth, al- am worth almost a half a penny. I have a penny. Excitedly, the little sparrow flew into town to find out how much a penny would buy. He knew if he could find the worth of a penny, he would know how much he was worth. I must go to the market where the people go, the little sparrow thought. The ones who sell things will surely know the value of a penny. Well, he made it to the market, and when he did, he perched above the shoemaker. Surely I'm worth more than something people put on their feet, he thought. But he found that the shoes were worth much more than a penny. Next, he flew to the potter's tent. I'm much more valuable than something used to carry water, he thought. Yet after watching the people come and go, he saw that a clay pitcher cost much more than a penny also. From shop to shop, the little sparrow flew until he had been to every merchant in town, the carpenter, the blacksmith, the garment maker, even the fisher and the baker. Knowing now everything else was worth much more than a penny, and he himself was only worth half a penny, the little sparrow became very sad. He knew he must find Jesus again. If anyone knows how much I'm worth, it's Jesus, the little sparrow thought. And then the little sparrow remembered, Jesus teaches in the temple. So he went there and sat in the window to wait for the Lord. Now while the little sparrow was waiting, he saw something that filled his eyes with tears and made his little heart sink. A poor widow woman entered the temple and put a penny in the treasury. Since the widow received nothing back for the offering she gave, the little sparrow now thought, I must be worth nothing. As the little sparrow began to cry, the widow began to pray. Father in heaven, she prayed, thank you for providing for all of my needs each day. You have taught us five sparrows are sold for two pennies. At the sound of this familiar and painful truth, the little sparrow turned to go. But just as he was about to spread his wings and fly away, the widow continued. And he heard the most wonderful words he ever could have imagined. Yet not one of them is forgotten by you. Not one is forgotten by God? That means I'm treasured in heaven, chirped the little sparrow. The little sparrow's heart lifted as he joyfully hurried home to tell his friends everything he had learned that day. See, that was the day the little sparrow learned his worth did not come from others. His worth came from Jesus. And you, brothers and sisters, are of more value than many sparrows. Indeed, you are treasured in heaven. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that you might not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, has conquered death hell and the grave, and is alive forevermore. Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings, and there is nothing that can harm one hair on your head apart from his will. Through him, 
We are more than conquerors. And this is far more impressive and far more important than anything we can say about One World Trade Center, the Ronald Reagan, or the interstate highway system. And then Paul Tripp reminds us of this. The final promise of the gospel is there will be a day when such things, pandemics, economic disasters, world turmoil, there will be a day when such things will end forever and we will be in a place where there will be no more sickness and no more suffering. Revelation 21.4. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, God's plan is always on time and always on target because God is always in the details. As we deal with the incredible uncertainty and that fear that surrounds us, remember and believe that God is in the details. And if you do that, Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. And thanks be to God, I know he watches you too. Let us pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, in our uncertain times, we remember that you are the eternal God who was, who is, and who is to come. In our fear of the virus that threatens us, we remember not to fear that which has the power of life or death, but to bow before the one who has the power to cast us into hell or welcome us into your eternal kingdom. In our fear of economic unraveling, help us to remember we serve you and you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Oh, Lord, we do not know many things about tomorrow, but we do know you. And we know that you know the future. And we know that you hold our hand as we walk with you to our appointed end. Thank you that you value us more than many sparrows and that we are treasured in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.